Have you heard the birds sing, the trees breathe, and the rain fall? The stories we tell ourselves are what create our reality. Hi, I'm Julia, your host, and you're listening to Terra Stories, the podcast that will awaken your mind to new perspectives, to reconnect to yourself, to nature, and to become an actor of change in tomorrow's world. Our ancestors, they came from the highlands, so they know how harsh is finding food, having reliable livelihoods in their zones. They were migrant because they wanted to have a better present and a better future for the generations as children. So the motto was protecting what we have and living in harmony with the environment that is hosting us, not destroying it. Anna and Andrea inherited important knowledge from their great-grandmother. She was a wise woman who left the highlands for the coast to secure her family's future. She believed that if you have received any good opportunity to have a better life, you shouldn't forget to open up those opportunities to the people around you and who will come. Anna and Andrea grew up in the village of Chepen, in Peru, where the impact of climate events on their families and community sparked reflection on what can be done to build more unified and sustainable futures. How have Anna and Andrea perpetuated their ancestral knowledge? Why is knowledge sharing important? How do they help local communities take part in nature restoration? dive into Anna and Andrea's fascinating story. But before, don't forget to activate the little bell on your favorite platform so you don't miss any new episodes and support Terra Stories by adding five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really helps. Now, let's go back to the show. Thank you so much, Anna and Andrea, to be part of Terra Stories, to participate in this podcast. I'm so happy to, to have you. It's a lot of time we, we talk about this and finally we, we record this episode, so I'm very happy. Thank you for being here. We can start by maybe introducing you to the listeners. Anna, if you want to start. <laughs> It's complicated because we're three, so we never know who has to talk, but <laughs> Anna, you can start if you want. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start then. Well, my name is Ana G. Soto. I'm from Peru, but I'm currently based in Madagascar. I work in conservation and sustainable development initiatives, using my expertise in communication and community engagement to engage people, stakeholders, friends and colleagues and everyone that wants to help us to build a better reality in a better future as well. 
I've been working in several international organizations in different continents, including my region, Latin America, in Europe, and uh, currently in, in Africa. I also love promoting networking and community of practitioners to support those efforts regarding agroecology, rural development, and of course, conservation. My most significant project at this moment is Shaping Crea Planeta. Andrea is my, my colleague and partner in this uh, new mission that we want to put in place. And thank you so much for inviting us to share our testimony and also to reach out to more people who wants to join us in the mission of restoring the planet. Maybe Andrea, you can also introduce yourself. Yes, of course. Uh, well, my name is Andrea Gomez Soto. I'm Anna's sister. And um, yeah, I've been living in Germany like for almost 10 years. And I'm an active advocate for human rights, especially for migrant communities in Germany. And I've worked for the Red Cross in Münster, in a small city in, in Germany. And I've worked for an ABP Institute in Kassel, and I volunteer in several programs in Peru and in Germany. Right now, I'm a master's student in social law and economics. It's amazing how you are sisters and you kind of went through the same path of this love for people. So I think it's very beautiful and maybe it comes from childhood. I love starting from where it all started. So maybe we can go a bit more into your childhood. Can you tell us about it? What was your link to nature as, as young individuals? All right, I will start as I am the older here. <laughs> well, we grew up in a small town called Chepen. It is a small town in northern Peru. It is in the Jequetepeque Valley. <laughs> that is the name in my region. It is a vast territory that hosts uh, locals, Peruvian migrants from the Andean zone, from the highlands, and Chinese migrants as well. It was one of the central zones of rice plantations. And although Chepen was in an arid zone, uh, we have several rivers and dry forests that help us to keep our soils fertile, good for agriculture. But it was also vulnerable for the El Niño phenomenon. And I would like to share a short anecdote about that. Maybe then Andrea can explain more about our childhood. But the Niño is a, is a climate pattern that uh, means unusual weather and is an, an unusual warming of the surface of the ocean in the Pacific. So it impacts on the temperatures, the speed and the strength of the ocean currents the health of the coastal ecosystems as well, and, of course, the local weather. And it goes from Australia to Peru and beyond, so it affects or impacts all those places. And in Peru, we call it El Niño. It means the little boy, because it's related to the Catholic religion, because this phenomenon was present during Christmas. So, because it arrived in Christmas, we start calling the little boy El Niño related to the baby Jesus. El Niño is like a famous phenomenon, climate phenomenon in our, on our coast. So I remember my family looking for shelter when I was a child as the heavy rains provoked landslides and our house back then had a plaster ceiling. 
and it started falling over us. So we had to leave our home and go to a neighbor's house. Water, food became scarce, prices passed the peak, and well, the roads were destroyed. So we experienced back then the nature's rage. And when the climate change was not a common term, I'm talking about 20 years back, 25 years back. So in that time, our community was already vulnerable from, from this phenomenon El Niño. And yeah, it always happened in our place, basically. And do you think like seeing those disasters, do you think this shaped this connection to other people and this will to help other people? Yes, I strongly believe that growing up in a community and facing the same challenges also build the, the sense of belonging. And I believe that when we are living in a community, we can also protect ourselves, supporting each other. And because when you are in a disaster emergency, and normally you, you forget your difference, you, you forget that uh, your social status or any other aspects that can get you apart and in that moment the sense of humanity arises and everyone is helping each other as Andrea said we had to look for shelter thanks to our neighbor that we could move to her place and stay there until we could prepare our own home and sharing water sharing food supplies and also my mom is a nurse and she also helped the neighborhood to start healing people that cannot go to the hospital because everything collapsed during strong events of El Niño phenomenon. Yeah, I think that when we experience those kind of things, we come back to our deep values of cooperation, collaboration and love. I don't know, Andrea, if you wanted to, before asking the, the other questions, if you wanted to add something about this. Well, of course, I remembered like the communities in Latin America are, I assume, as strong as in Africa. So we hold together even if something bad happens. So I think these values are like so strong and present. I mean, it will be from more importance once we will have more challenges, more climate challenges in the next years. You lived in different country, different in its culture. How did you see nature as children? What was the world you grew up in? First of all, our communities relied on nature. I think at this moment, everyone still rely on nature. But when you don't have more developed services or infrastructure, then nature is your main source for everything. Food, medicine, water, shelter. So in Japan, our small town, agriculture was the main economic activity. Unlike other zones in Peru, we didn't have mining activities, fortunately. So we entirely depend on fishing and farming. But this story was different for other regions in my country because Peru is well known for the Cordillera de los Andes or Los Andes Highlands. But actually we are an Amazonian country. The Amazonia Basin place takes a vast area in our country. So governance in the 80s and the 90s encouraged companies and entrepreneurs to go to the forest, to the Amazonia and start conquering the land. I remember also a former Peruvian president saying that there was plenty of land, wood, animals, minerals. So 
people start growing up believing that development that we wanted relies on those resources and those resources were going to be endless. <laughs> so the, so everyone start going to that zone to exploit the natural resources. Now we can see the effects of that kind of development models and we are suffering the consequences. But at the same time, we are learning that the Amazonia and other meaningful ecosystems like that are so critical for our own survival, not only for the animals or plants, but for the human well-being and the human existence. And do you feel this will of the government to tell everyone, go conquer the land, take all the resources you want, was different from what you learned as a child, your culture? Yes, because our ancestors, they came from the highlands, so they know how harsh is finding food, having reliable livelihoods in their zones. They were migrant because they wanted to have a better present and a better future for the generations as children. So the motto was protecting what we have and living in harmony with the environment that is hosting us, not destroying it. But these successful ideas of having a, an industrial development start, I would say, infecting the minds of everyone. And in that way, we start just following the wrong pathway. Andrea, if you want to share your how you experienced your, your childhood. I remember this curious experience at school when people sent us such type of messages like we should be proud of ourselves to be here. We should be a privilege to live in such rich land, not economically speaking, but environmentally speaking, that we have all these resources to, to make use of it. And well, I grew up in two small cities next to the Pacific Ocean. And, well, of course, we had, like, a, a high demand of um, water. And we had, all, of course, this water supply that was always insured since the water is channeled from the Indian mountains and up in the ocean. People told us, like, okay, we have this ocean, and the ocean is wide as deep, and we would make use of of the water set of, of this spider resource. And well, thanks to these conditions, we could grow at the um, farming and fishing. But I, I never felt worried about the supply of irrigation and drinking water. But that's what I know is mistaken. Like, I, I believe that this natural resource would last forever, but it's not. And what few people know is that there are many conflicts and so much tension over water. And, well, people on the western side of the Indus are not aware of how unfair the water is being distributed in our country, in, in Peru. And I really dream that we all people can make better use of the water and can make it accessible to people who need it most. I understood more why you wanted to work for people, but maybe you can explain more why you chose to start your careers working for nature, for its conservation, for local communities. Well, we said uh, we were part of a small community, so we are very used to live in that kind of environment. And I would say that we have a fantastic mom, our mother. She encouraged us to participate in every local initiative in the school, in the town, in the hospital, because she was a nurse. She is a nurse. 
So I think we develop our passion for serving people, for volunteering because of her. Her name is Maria Teresa, and I want to honor her. <laughs> and I studied communication for development, and Andrea studied social work. That, that is our main background, academic background. And we work in different development projects and volunteer programs, mostly in Peru, of course, and then in Germany. That is the case of Andrea and also in other several countries in Europe and in Africa. When we were reflecting about what we have seen in those experiences in those different regions and continents, we realized that three things. The first one is that we strongly depend on nature. It doesn't matter if you are from the global, the south global in the world, or, or you are from the global north, but especially the global south, because that is a region that doesn't contribute as much as other regions to the climate change. They are also highly vulnerable to a broken nature. And our dominant narrative and models of development that are not repairing our planet. The other thing is that many people don't know about the cause-effect relationship between the current status of our planet and the current impact that we are experiencing. And the other thing is that we, as human beings, are not also very aware of the consequences of those impacts that we are causing to ourselves. So this is not a matter of conservationists, this is not a matter of government officials, or people in science or people in industries. This is something that is very related to everyone here because we are sharing the same home, which is our planet. Yeah, and as you're working for people, for local communities, you understood that you have to work for nature too, as you said, because it's linked. We depend on nature and if the nature is okay, we are okay too. Starting from the three points you just said, Anna, the thing you just realized, maybe it was the first step into Crea Planeta. Why, Andrea, did you find the need to, to create it? What is it? Crea Planeta, it's like, in English, it's Create Planet. And Crea Planeta is an agency for social change and a mission at the same time. Like we believe that communities must be at the heart of the solutions and we want to ignite and mob not mobilize community cooperation to restore our planet. As we heard from Anna, so it's not about politicians, it's not about conservationists, it's about the people and the, and the communities because we live here in this planet. And around the world there were many organizations leading great projects to solve a global crisis, but however we feel like To need, we feel the need to directly collaborate with communities. So we want to share our expertise with them so they can change, they can design their own solutions instead of applying conservationists or development prescriptions. And I, I love the name Crea Planeta, Crea Planeta. It's the same word in Italian. I think it's beautiful and that shows that There is this way to, to show people that creativity is a skill, an important skill to tackle the climate and biodiversity crisis. Anna, what do you think about this? I think most of us struggle to accept that truth, that we are creative by nature. Every day we are 
making decisions to solve our day-to-day challenges. So we are applying creativity. But also in, in our work or at the school, at the university, we are coming up with new ideas, with more solutions or that Eureka moment to, to find out how to solve something. And whether we believe that or not, we are creative. So this is something, this is a value and an essential feature of our humanity that we wanted to harness and use it in our work and in our mission. So we frame CREA. CREA is an acronym. It is made of four letters. And it also represents the four-step methodology that we created to unleash the capacity of people to read, understand, to empathize, and to ponder the context where we live to create those solutions based on reflective and thoughtful and practical knowledge. I agree with you so much. Sometimes people get afraid when we say, okay, let's get creative. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to paint something or draw something. Or And creativity is through so many things. Just like by having an idea, you're being creative. And creativity, as you said, is inner to everyone. It's just like everyone develops it in different ways. Everyone's creative, so let's be creative for the planet. Globally, you want to, through Crea Planeta, to create actions to restore the planet. So what is restoring for you? Well, when we first talk about restoration, we might think that we are standing in front of a big task because we are restoring our planet. But... This might sound overwhelming if we say we want to restore our planet, but we refer actually to every action that reduces our footprint, our impact on Earth. And the word restoration might lead one to think of conservationists or ecologists. I'm not an ecologist, but I think that we are able to create ideas to restore the planet. And so we we were talking a lot about people, communities. So it shows that for you, social change is very important and it's an essential point in your company's mission. Why do you think it is so important? First, we believe that social change and planet restoration are intertwined, are very interconnected. And social change is is a noun. So it can be used for good or for bad. There are several nuances between those stages. So, for instance, there was a time when we used our metal food container to go to school and to carry out our lunch. But it was good. It was the way that our moms used to do it. But then there was a time when we accept the modernity model and we started using single-use plastic containers This new feature was introduced by someone and eventually we adopted as a whole society. So new behaviors were presented and adopted. So if we look at our current environmental problems and challenges, we can see that it is a sum of individual and collective behaviors. So if our individual and collective behaviors are the root of our current environmental challenges, it means that we need to act at that level. That is our target. So we we want to to bolster social change, but 
towards the direction of restoring our planet instead of causing more damage. And of course, like in, in some countries, as you were saying, in the places where they struggle most with disasters, with they don't have an important access to, to education. And sometimes like behaviors depend on the education you had and what you learned. Anna, what do you think about this? What do you think of the education access? Well, I would like to unpack a little bit about the behavior concept that is a complex concept to address the different elements of behaviors and changing behavior. So information, education is, is a part of changing a behavior, but not the only aspect. But education is foundational. It's something essential for awakening the conscious of what is happening us. Uh, so... Just a few months ago, I was in Peru. I, I conducted a workshop for school students, and we talked about the environment. They were part of a campaign to clean the beach in, in Peru. Even when they, they could see the impact of our behaviors in, in the beach, that where we threw the plastics, uh, regardless there were waste trash cans in the beach, even though when they knew the impacts of, of the behavior, they found difficult to, to relate that behavior to the environment that we have. For instance, the policies regarding plastics or the practices that we have in our houses when we, we prefer plastic containers instead of metal containers, for instance. So when they discover or when I happened to discover this relationship between the behavior and the impact and, and current challenges that we are facing now, they were very willing to act and to start changing for themselves first to promote something more. And so talking about climate change and other environmental crises, we also realized that most of these narratives are mainly spoke in English and at the academic level or maybe at the organizational level with conservation organizations addressing those issues. But those communities, those school students, those people that is at home or every, everyone in, in a day-to-day -day activity sometimes ignore what is happening in the relationship between behaviors and your impact in, in the planet. So as a society, I think we believe that we must step up our actions to engage everyone in solving our global crisis But the first thing that we need to do is put the knowledge available for everyone. If you could give maybe a tip or just explain to people how they can reconnect to nature, what would you say? We believe like reconnecting to nature is an inner journey. We're part of nature and our lives are within a complex natural system, regardless of how much we know about it, we notice that. And we aim that through Crea Planeta, with our Crea mythology, everyone starts this journey about by setting time to learn, to reflect, to discover and have this awakening moment. By learning that, we can love or those do that to create conditions to ignite our most fundamental human feelings. It's an inner journey. Everyone must learn how to belong, how to show solidarity and how to transcend throughout these communities. 
This planet has hosted us and it is our moral duty to ensure this planet we live in. And it's a matter of survival right now. Uh, these actions require, of course, the cooperation, collaboration of all of us. It shows that we are nature because it can start from us. So there is my last question that I love asking. It's a tough one. What kind of ancestor would you like to be? What words do you imagine? I would love to share my what ancestor I, I would love to honor and mention. I mentioned my mom already, but I think my mom is also the woman that she is because of another woman who is my great-grandmother. She was from the Highlands. She was unable to read and to write. She didn't have access to education, even though she was a wise woman. So it means that when we open the knowledge and make it accessible for everyone, of course, we are going to see beautiful results. But even though our human nature is full of good values and essential values, regardless you are in a formal training center. So my great-grandmother, her name was Rosa, also Rose, but Rosa Morales, she was a small, tiny woman that left and fled her home in the highlands to go to the coast. She started selling vegetables at the local market. And she believed that by educating her children, they could be able to support the family, but also to create a better future and story for the community where they live. My mom was raised by my great-grandmother, and those values of saving money, sustaining the economy by hard work, and also focus your mind on studying and accessing to education, no matter how hard and challenging that could be. And at the same time, we grew up with this mindset of if you have received any good opportunity to have a better life, don't forget to open those opportunities for the people that is around you and is going to come. It's beautiful. I find it amazing that you're perpetuating this in your family and in your life. Thank you so much for your energy. I feel so energized now. I don't know if you want to share something else. First of all, we want to thank you, Julia, for this amazing space to share so deep personal stories. Because at the end, those changes that we want to see in our world has a common origin, our call to help others and our call to a better place for everyone here because living isolated or with good conditions for just one group this is not life <laughs> i would like to invite everyone who will believe that we have the power to be creative and to collaborate and to design new solutions for our planet and for our coexistence in the same planet please go to creaplaneta.org And also you can look for us in our LinkedIn page with the same name, Crea Planeta. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. The podcast is coming to an end. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Terra Stories on Instagram at terrastories.studio and on LinkedIn. If you liked the episode, talk about it around you, share it with your friends. That's the thing that would give the biggest boost to the podcast. 
And don't hesitate to write me about the topics or personalities you'd like me to invite or address. I wish you a beautiful day or evening. <laughs>